You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. Do you like the Drake? I love the Drake. Hello everyone, and welcome to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake, comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers. This podcast is going to be taking a look at Tim Drake, my favorite Robin. We'll be taking a look at Tim's first appearance in Batman Year 3, that's Batman 436, and working our way through Tim's training all the way to Tim's ongoing Robin series that won 183 issues. So sit back and relax and find out why everyone loves the Drake. Good for them. Love the Drake. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 11 of Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers. We are, I've been saying this for the last few episodes, we're in the final stretch. We've got one more issue to go uh, until we get to this milestone, until we get to this milestone. Uh, This is actually the story arc that is the big one for all the Tim Drake Robin fans out there of course, myself included, that uh, hopefully if you've been listening this far through the podcast, this is the moment I think that you have been waiting for where Tim Drake finally gets to become Robin, but that's in another couple issues yet. Uh, This is a three-issue story arc uh, taking place in the pages of uh, the Batman main comic in the issues of uh, 455, 456, and 457 being the issue in the Identity Crisis series written by uh, Alan Grant and drawn by Norm Brayfogel. And uh, Brayfogel, for whatever reason, when I list my favorite Batman and Robin artist, his is a name I sometimes forget about, but he is one of my favorites. And it is during this time where uh, we are seeing the introduction of Tim Drake and him them really uh, finishing rounding out Tim's character. And Alan Grant has done such a great job through these last few uh, issues that we have talked about uh, being uh, the last episode and then this one and one more. And it's it's just such a rich uh, way of telling the uh, Tim Drake origin story uh, that began almost a year ago. Uh, if you look at the comics, we started the podcast in uh, Batman 436. And uh, of course, we've uh, done some jumping uh, throughout the podcast rather than covering every single issue. Uh, there are some that I have thought about going back and at least for myself picking up and just kind of seeing what other little things that uh, Batman and uh, Tim were uh, talking about in training. And I have a few of those. But like I said previously in some of the older uh, episodes of the podcast that uh, Tim's part may have only been in a page or two or maybe three pages in a a much larger story. Not that Tim gets uh, lost, but it is done very effectively that you still know that Tim is in the universe and is still doing some type of training, uh, be it with Dick or Alfred or uh, Bruce himself. 
And uh, this was a again a, a moment that everybody had been waiting for. Almost a year has passed uh, until Tim can finally get to be Robin and is going through one of his last trials. And uh, we have just come out of the previous episode uh, with uh, Tim uh, losing his mother and his father being paralyzed. There were a couple other little story beats that took place uh, right after Rite of Passage that I. I kind of wanted to skip over so we can get to uh, the bigger uh, story beat here of Tim going through his last uh, final phase before becoming Robin. And uh, those little uh, things are mentioned uh, in these uh, uh, three issues as well. Uh, Today we'll be taking a look at two of the three issues of a story. I'm going to make you wait one more episode. Uh, we We will be taking a look at Batman 455 and Batman 456. And, uh, this was a, another story that I really liked and, um, was just one that I thoroughly enjoyed reading. And uh, we'll talk more about the uh, Alan Grant and Norm Brayfogle uh, Batman once we get to uh, episode 12, and we'll kind of talk about the uh, their series as a whole. Uh, but let's not waste any more time. Let's get right into Batman 455 and 456. This is the Identity Crisis story, and... Uh, Tim Drake's big, big moment is very quickly approaching. Uh, Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to the show. When the door shuts, don't worry about me. It's not attention that I want from you. I need you to trust who I'm going to be. Batman 455, Identity Crisis, Part 1. Alan Grant is the writer, Norm Brayfogle is the penciler, Steve Mitchell is the inker, Adrian Roy is the colorist, Todd Clean is the letterer, Kelly Puckett is the assistant editor, Denny O'Neill is the editor, creator Bob Kane, Bill Finger. It's almost dawn in Gotham City, and Batman's patrol for the evening is almost over. When he hears four gunshots from the street below, Batman leaps to the street to see a masked figure shooting into a crowd. Batman disarms the assailant before a fifth shot can be fired, and unmasks the criminal to reveal an old woman. Meanwhile, across town, a group of homeless people are waking up from a cold winter's morning when a photojournalist, Vicki Vale, awakens them taking pictures. She's there to take pictures of the homeless situation in Gotham City. 
They offer her a rat burger, and she leaves abruptly. Nothing like messing with a rich snob, when suddenly, another masked criminal attacks the homeless people. At Batman's crime scene, Batman interrogates the criminal of why she shot into the crowd. She replies, I did it on a whim. In Wayne Manor, Tim Drake is having terrible nightmares about the death of his mother and ghostly visions of Batman and Nightwing taunting him. Tim is awoken by the real Batman in his bedroom, telling him to get up. Today is the day. Tim replies, I know. My mother's funeral. Vicki Vale develops the photos she took of the homeless people and catches an odd image. It's an image of a person who attacked the homeless people but is getting out of a car. Maybe if she enlarges it, she can see what car the masked person got out of. Alfred, Dick, Tim's father, Bruce Wayne, and other Gotham citizens attend the funeral of Janet Drake. Tim's father is paralyzed from the attacks of the Obeah man in Haiti and is in a wheelchair. Dick approaches Tim and says, If there's anything you need, let me know. I know how you feel. Tim knows of all people that can say a sentence like that. Dick actually understands exactly how he feels. Vicki Vale takes her evidence to the police station about the killings and is dismissed by the police officer stating she shouldn't be watching so much TV and to be careful to not watch Nightmare on Elm Street. Who knows what she'll come up with next? Who does she think she is? She decides if the police won't look into it, she will herself. In the Batcave, Bruce is suiting up to track down the three random attacks that have been happening in Gotham City. Tim asks if now is the time to put on the Robin costume. Bruce tells Tim no, you're not ready. You're wanting to hide your pain in the suit. It shouldn't be out of anger that you want to be Robin. It should be that you want to do the right thing, not out of hate, not like I did. Tim says I don't understand. Batman replies, in time you will. It'll be something you'll welcome. Tim screams, I'm ready. You can't tell me what to do. I can control my emotions. I'm ready. Batman says no and jumps into the Batmobile and says, that's my final word. Disobey me again and you can forget about being Robin forever. Batman drives off out of the Batcave. Tim thinks to himself, I know I'm ready. I'll just have to show Bruce somehow. Vicky Vale tracks down the car that dropped off the killer at an abandoned warehouse. She's ready to go investigate when suddenly a masked figure is behind her. Next issue, The Heart of a Hero. All right, that was a look at Batman 455, and like we do with a a two-parter issue reading here, we will go right into the synopsis for Batman 456, and then we will talk about these two issues together. Batman 456, Identity Crisis Part 2, Without Fear of Consequence. The writing team and creative team are exactly the same, so we will move on. It's Christmas time in Gotham City Shopping Mall, and what brings out the Christmas spirit better than a nunchuck-wielding skull-faced Santa Claus? Batman makes quick of Scully Claus and ties him up in a pretty package for the police. The detective on the scene says it's the same image that Vicki Vale showed them about a week ago with license plates matching to a man named Marseuse. The detective also tells Batman that Mr. Marseuse runs a fur trading business over on D Street. He's an upright, responsible citizen. Batman says, up until tonight, so was Santa Claus, and takes off to see where Vicki Vale might have gone. Vicki Vale is kidnapped and taken to Marseuse. She demands to know what's going on, and Marseuse says, I'll take you to the big man himself. Batman tracks down the car that she was kidnapped in and pursues at a close distance. In the Batcave, Tim is studying the random attacks in Gotham City. He has almost completely forgot about Christmas. Alfred asks Tim if he's going to go upstairs and unwrap presents. Tim says he can't afford to. He guesses he'll have to set this Christmas out. 
Alfred replies, congratulations. Sounds like someone else I know. Tim thinks there has to be an answer to these crimes. And if he ever expects to put on the Robin costume again, he needs to solve it to show Bruce that he's ready. Tim stares at the Robin trophy case. The suit is magic. It gives you power. It hides your weakness. It makes you give it everything you've got. It makes you a hero. Only if I could. Tim thinks to himself, what makes a grandmother shoot four men on a whim and two more attacks similar and also just very random? Meanwhile, Mercus arrives at Gotham Chemical Plant to take Vicki Vale to meet his boss. She manages to escape Marsus and his men and runs into the building, trying to get away. She heads up the stairs to try and hide from them and opens up the door to her room. But she chose wrong. Moments later, Batman arrives at the warehouse, trying to rescue Vicky, hoping he can get there in time. In the Batcave, Tim begins to think of the case and drifts off to sleep. In his dreams, he sees ghostly images of the former Robins, Dick and Jason. The two ghostly Robin images tell him to trust his training. The visions of Dick says, Think, Tim. These attacks are connected. The ghostly vision of Jason says, you can do it. You can do it, Tim. Tim awakes on the floor in front of the Robin trophy case. Tim has it. What makes people attack without fear of consequence? Of course, that's it. It's fear. Commissioner Gordon's phone rings, and it's Tim telling him that he's Robin, and the Batman is walking into a trap, and he knows who's behind these random killings. Commissioner Gordon says they're stretched very thin with all the random attacks going on in Gotham City, and they will try to send a squad car to the address that Tim gives them as soon as they possibly can. Tim says that it also might be good for them to turn on the bat signal just to give the presence of Batman out on the streets. At this moment, Batman reaches the warehouse, climbs up the ladder, and starts walking along the catwalk to the main door of the warehouse, and the floor gives way beneath him. Tim sits in Wayne Manor, trying to open presents with Alfred, but he just can't focus. Bruce is in trouble. He knows what he has to do. So he puts on his street clothes and hails a taxi to go warn Bruce. He knows by doing this, he can kiss being Robin goodbye forever. At this moment, Batman is trapped under the rubble of the floor and looks up above him to see the Scarecrow. Next issue, Master of Fear. Tune in tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel. All right, that completes the synopsis for 455 and 456, parts one and two of the Identity Crisis in a three-part story. And we are going to save the third and final part for the next uh, episode of Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake. Um, Grant and Bray Fogle are uh, two people when I get asked, uh, who are your favorite uh, Batman artists or Batman and Robin artists? Uh Grant and Brayfogle, for whatever reason, sometimes don't make my list, and they very well should. And uh, these uh, six issues in total are are really a keystones in uh, why I became a Tim Drake fan. Uh, they just handled Tim's uh, latter part of his origin in becoming Robin uh, so very well uh, through the uh, Rite of Passage storyline that we just finished in the previous uh, episodes, and then getting into this one were... Um, uh, hallmarks of uh, things that really made me uh, like Tim Drake, and it's uh, they're really uh, personified in these three issues that we're going to be talking about. Uh, the cover for uh, Batman 455, and again, uh, Grant and Brayfogle came over from Detective Comics into the main Batman title uh, to complete their Tim Drake uh, story. 
So uh, uh, the cover here shows a Batman leaping uh, from probably the roof of a church down where it looks like a wedding gone horribly wrong. And this scene does not happen in the book where we have a uh, looks like a skeleton uh, wearing mask a bride getting ready to take it out on her her new groom. It looks like it's just uh, an image that uh, Bray Fogle has uh, drawn here for the front of the comic. But it's still a very uh, a cool one indeed. Uh, the first inner. Uh, panel here, uh, the big splash page with uh, Batman standing on top of a building with his uh, jagged cape, uh, a hallmark that uh, Bray Fogle will use to uh, depict Batman's cape of uh, not really being a shape, but it is the you know shape of the bat, if that makes any <laughs> any sense whatsoever. But I just like the stylistic stylistic choices that uh, Bray Fogle tapes, uh, tapes, takes with drawing Batman and his cape, uh, depending on the mood uh, that Batman is in. Especially in on the uh, third panel of page two here, where Batman comes swooping in on the uh, gunman, the masked gunman here, where you just see the head and the arms of Batman and they're kind of like lost into the cape, and it's just a, a really cool uh, shot of Batman here. I could easily see this uh, would have been cool to have as a, a Batman logo with the you know name Batman underneath of it that they could have used uh, on the books. I, I think that's just a, a really cool image here. Um, I like the detective work that Batman uh, deduces here from hearing the uh, gunshots, that there are four gunshots, and I actually counted all the blams, uh, one, two, three, four here. And Batman says that he heard four shots and is not sure if the guy has another uh, gun or not, so he's not going to waste any time and jumps right in on him. And the unmasking of our assailant here on the bottom of page three, uh, the first read when I read this way back in the day, and even kind of boning up for it for this uh, podcast, uh, I forget that it's actually a woman. And this uh, panel, I don't think, really represents a woman very well. And even later on when we see her again, um, and I like, too, that as Batman's trying to uh, subdue the uh, would-be uh, shooter here, that uh, Batman is able to bark out to uh, passerbyers that, you know, they need to call the police. And I like the, you know, y yes, sir, you know, from one of the... Uh, passerbys or whoever it may be as a uh, assailant this woman is uh, shooting some homeless people which kind of uh, brings us into our next section here where uh, Vicky Vale ends up coming on this uh, I wouldn't call him a gang but this a group of homeless people and uh, is wanting to take pictures of the homeless uh, problem that's going on in uh, Gotham City and this is something for me that uh, getting this in a 1990, uh, just coming off the heels of the 89 Batman film with uh, Tim Burton, Michael Keaton, and uh, Jack Nicholas, that uh, I wasn't aware that Vicki Vale was a comic book character uh, from before. I assumed when I originally read this that, oh, this is Vicki Vale from the movie. They put a movie character into the comic book. So uh, when I picked this up in 1990 and I went to go get the, you know, the next book, uh, 456, I made mention to the guy at the uh, comic book store that that's pretty cool that they put Vicki Vale in this book. 
you know, I always liked her in the movie. And he kind of showed me that, hey, she has been around for much longer uh, than since 1989. So I got a, a nice brief uh, history lesson of uh, Vicki Vale in the uh, comics here. But uh, nonetheless, here she is. And uh, she's represented in very uh, Kim Basinger-esque kind of style with the uh, blonde hair. Although it looks a little bit more red, but the hair is, is roughly about the same length as Kim Basinger. One of my first movie crushes. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, she is uh, instantly kind of run off uh, from uh, the homeless people telling her that the meat she was about to eat was rat and that ends up not being. But that kind of ends up being the thing that ends up saving her because another masked assailant uh, ends up killing some of the uh, homeless people here. So that's kind of two random unprovoked strikes. And this is the panel that I was uh, talking about here. On the bottom of six, if I can see the uh, the numbering is so bad in this uh, issue, where they're putting the woman into the uh, ambulance, I about said hearse here, and the rescue worker here ends up saying that she'll be uh, a mass of bruises, but otherwise uh, she's all right. Um, this was the she. Uh, I still was on the impression that this was a guy, and her, her reasoning was she just do it. She just did it to do it, and uh, she's never committed any crimes before, and she uh, just wanted to do it to know that she could. So she did it on a whim. It says here. I like here that the uh, paramedic says, you know, Batman, don't blame yourself, and uh, Batman says, you know, I don't. I don't shoot anyone. That's kind of the the uh, nod to us as the reader, just in case you didn't know that Batman doesn't believe in guns. So he doesn't feel bad. He feels perplexed that why, why is this going on in the city? This is just a total random act that makes no sense. Um, at the bottom of page seven here and leading into uh, the whole part of page eight where Tim is having a nightmare. We don't know it's a nightmare quite yet, but it's, it's drawn really well, but it's really kind of... Uh, uh, abstract a little bit and all kind of jumbled together to give us uh, this sense of, you know, what's going on. And we can see that Tim is looking at his uh, visions here and trying to interact. We see the headstones of Jason Todd, actually the parents of uh, Dick Grayson and the mother of Jason Todd. And there's this little uh, song that's uh, uh, being played here. My mummy's dead. My mummy's dead. I can't get it through my head, which I don't even know if that's how that goes here. But we see the uh, uh, tombstone for Janet Drake murdered as uh, Batman and Nightwing are lifting the uh, or lowering the uh, uh, casket into the ground here and we see uh, Jack Drake, Alfred and Tim uh, watching this all take place and uh, Tim wanting to lash out at the uh, visions that uh, he sees before him. So a, a really uh, a really nice uh, or twisted I guess nice wouldn't be the right word to a twisted type of image that uh, Tim is dealing with here. Uh, something that it kind of strikes me as uh, funny just uh, uh, kind of forgetting about this, you know, being a, a comic book a 90s person of uh, how many times since uh, Batman Year 3 that we have seen Batman in Wayne Manor in costume, which uh, uh, during the time of uh, Nightfall, Alfred was so set on, you know, Batman stays downstairs in the Batcave, Batman doesn't belong upstairs, you know, you need to keep those two 
those two lives separate. And it's kind of uh, <laughs> funny and startling as a nightmare that Tim would be having here that uh, he's waking up to Batman in his bedroom. So I would think that might startle you, startle you just a little bit, but seeing a, you know, Batman here opening up your curtains, like, good morning, Tim, rise and shine. That seems very on Batman ish, but uh, you know, I guess it works that, you know, Hey, I was working late. I'm going to rush up and uh, see how Tim's doing. Uh, something here for, uh, us boy readers here, um, <laughs> Grant and Brayfogel decide to give us, uh, I about said Kim Basinger, give us Vicky Vale here, uh, developing film in a nightshirt that's not buttoned, and uh, you can kind of see things here. So I remember when I first read it, I was like, holy cow, I think those are boobs, you know? But I'm like, no, sh- surely, I, surely I'm not seeing that, right? It's, it's probably just a shirt. It's probably just a a different shirt that she's wearing. And uh, just because it's in this, you know, pink, you know, pinkish type and reddish hue here as she's uh, developing uh, her photos. So uh, that was something I was kind of like, huh, that's interesting. What is she afraid she's going to get something on her clothes? So she's going to not be wearing <laughs> very much. So we see, you know, Vicky developing some film where she happens to catch an image of uh, what happens uh, to her, um, I guess you'd call them quote unquote, uh, homeless friends here that she didn't realize she caught this photo. So that must have happened just before, uh, right as she left rather. Um, we see uh, Alfred and Bruce getting ready to have uh uh, probably a little bit of coffee before they head out to uh, the funeral of uh, Janet Drake, which we'll find out that is, in fact, where they're going. Um, the beats down here in the bottom of page 12 and then through uh, 13, where Tim again is uh, visiting the uh, Robin trophy case, uh, becomes something that's... Uh, I would almost say he's almost kind of worship- worshiping uh, the, the costume a little bit, or this is just the uh, the source of his inspiration that he always seems to go back to. That you know, is this the thing that I want to do? It's a, a phrase I've probably said a hundred times here on the podcast. That now there is weight involved. Not that Tim didn't know that ahead of time, but he's re- he knows that you know tragedy befell the two young men that wore this costume before before he did. Um, I would probably think on some level, Tim goes, well, my parents are alive and healthy and they're, they're fine. I'm not going to have this hardship that both of my predecessors did. And in fact, you know, Tim is, uh, dealing with, uh, with it very, uh, probably as well as he thinks he can be, he's just suppressing a lot of his fears. And I think that's uh, something on Bruce's mind that is, that he knows is weighing on him but it's also weighing on Tim, but Tim is not wanting to come to grips with that. And that's something that Bruce is trying to make sure that Tim understands that, um, uh, of not a funny quote, but an, an interesting quote here that, uh, Bruce says one day, uh, this fear and this anger is going to be his friend. You know, how, how can something like that, uh, be something that you're going to uh, want to embrace. Uh, one of the most horrible things that's happened to Tim Drake is going to be something that he's going to enjoy in some aspects. And we'll kind of see uh, later on what uh, that in fact means. Uh, but the shot here that I love on 13 is Bruce and uh, 
Tim heading up the staircase back up to Wayne Manor to head out to the funeral, uh, we get this shot from inside of the Robin trophy case, almost as if that we are wearing the mask and we're looking, looking in through the eye holes and where the uh, head of Robin would be. And we kind of see the collar of the cape here. It's a really cool image. Uh, sometimes we uh, may get those kind of images through the cowl of Batman's mask, but I can't ever recall getting an image through uh, the Robin mask. And uh, I just, I love the shot of Bruce and Tim uh, walking to the staircase and just kind of uh, looking through the mask. It's just done very, very well. Um, if you weren't entirely sure that Vicki Vale was half naked, uh, we do get confirmation that she is half naked in the apartment watching TV and uh, watching, more importantly, the news show of the uh, murder and uh, the beating of some of the homeless people where she was, in fact, at. And we kind of see here in the second panel that uh, she definitely is not wearing a an undershirt over the shirt that she doesn't have uh, buttoned up, so we won't spend too much more time on it. But a little, a little bit of eye candy for the young boy readers, and I think I appreciated that back in 1990. Okay, moving on. Uh, uh, a sad moment, but an also a nice moment at the funeral here. Uh, we have uh, Dick Grayson um, and the rest of the uh, family, as far as uh, the Bat family are concerned, uh, just being at Bruce, Dick, and Alfred. Maybe we would like to think Leslie Tompkins is here somewhere. But uh, Dick uh, just kind of uh, probably traveling back in time for himself a little bit, knowing knowing exactly how Tim feels. It's always one of those when somebody comes up to you, if you know, if something like a death happens or if you have something bad happen to you, you always get that person that says, I know exactly how you feel. And very few times does that actually uh, bring, uh, bring about to be you know, the truth that somebody's just trying to empathize with you on some type of level. But uh, Tim knows exactly um what Dick means because the ex an exact uh, uh, type of an event happened to his parents, uh, meaning not you know uh, Tim's parents fell from the trapeze too, but Tim lost a parent. Uh, Dick lost two parents, and you know is in the care of kind of at the moment of Bruce Wayne, just as Dick was. So um, I like that uh, Tim takes that moment to thank Dick for coming, and he knows that you're busy, and. Uh, it, Dick is more of like it's it's the least I could do. So they have this, you know, nice little uh, big brother, little brother moment, and even uh, Dick and Bruce have a moment of uh, Dick knowing I I know what the next step is. I I know when I lost my parents, I I can guess where this is going to go for Tim. You know, the two of us have already been working on training. Tim uh, to be Robin, but now the desire to put the suit on is going to be even greater for Tim. And uh, Bruce kind of uh, alludes to that, but at the same time saying, you know, he wants to put on the suit, but he doesn't at the same time. He, Tim is still torn. He doesn't have that, that moment yet. Um, we get a little moment here of Vicki Vale trying to play detective with uh, the police department, Lieutenant uh Kitch here and uh, quickly dismisses her. And of course, if you uh, dismiss a photojournalist such as Vicki Vale or um, sometimes our typical women and damsels in distress, they're going to put themselves in 
distress, as it were. Uh, but that'll happen here in just a little bit. Uh, the uh, discussion that I was just recently talking about uh, with uh, Tim having to own his his fears that he has in, in becoming Robin uh, is talked about here in these uh, uh, few pages here between 18 and 19 and even going in uh, to 20 where uh, Tim is uh, ready to go out and try and uh, find out what's going on with these uh, random killings with these, you know, like skull masked uh, people. Uh, we just have some random shootings and Tim is very much like, well, hey, let, you know, let me suit up. You know, I, I'm ready. And Bruce really telling Tim, you know, you're, you're not ready. You're, you're saying you're ready. You're only ready when I say you're ready. And uh, telling Tim that, you know, you, you're you're not you're not basically owning the moment. You're not uh, coming to terms and grips with it. You are wanting to put on the costume to uh, get away from the pain and the guilt that you're feeling, and that it's going to mask and make things easier because you can become uh, something else. And that's a pitfall that uh, Bruce knows he probably had for himself. He became Batman because of his pain and guilt and his his anger that he couldn't do anything at a, a such young age and knows that baggage that he takes with him out into the night. And he doesn't want that for Tim and didn't want it for Dick. You know, he wants, and even for Jason for that matter, but Jason was on the other side of that. Jason was all anger and guilt and, you know, buffaloed Bruce into thinking, you know, that he's ready for it. And Bruce doesn't want to make that same mistake again with Tim that he made with Jason. It's more of the Bruce saying that you can be Robin when I say that you're ready, but, I think what Bruce is actually really saying, you can be Robin when you are ready. You will know the moment that you're ready to be Robin, not because you want to be Robin because you think that's what you should do and because it's going to be fun and because you're angry. You want to be Robin because you know it's the right thing to do. It's the right step. You you can't complete that next step until you're putting on the costume for the right reason. And going through anger and pain is not the way uh, to become Robin. So I know that was like three pages worth <laughs> right there, but uh, that's what I picked up from uh, their discussion. And Tim is just, you know, angry and not wanting to, uh, to hear it, um, but knows if he disobeys Batman, he's going to shoot all this work in the foot for nothing. So he's reluctantly just wait, uh, waiting, but he's, he's going to try to find a way to show Bruce that, you know, you're wrong. I, I, I am ready for this. And then our final uh, page here of uh, Vicki Vale snooping where she shouldn't uh, belong. And uh, it's kind of the trope of, okay, we've got a woman here. We need Batman to go after somebody and let it be the, you know, damsel in distress, Vicki Vale. But uh, it, it will be a nice, you know, little plot point to push Batman out to uh, try and track uh, Vicky down and to find out and where all these uh, masked uh, killings are uh, are coming from. And even... Uh, Vicky's hunch on uh, Mr. Uh, Morris or Maurice um, was a name. I, it's uh, uh, Marsus, I think, is the uh, the name that is said here. If I'm uh, pronouncing it correctly, uh, which she thinks, well, this would have been the car that dropped off uh, the killer right before she left because she did get a picture of a license plate. So um, that does uh, take us into a uh, 4:56 here, and uh, I. 
would say quickly, uh, the cover on this, I, I really like this cover. Uh, this was something that instantly jumped out at me uh, off the comic book stand at my uh, local comic book shop when I picked it up uh, back in 1990, um, of seeing the uh, silhouette of Batman with his uh, you know white slits for the eyes and seeing the two Robins and uh, Jason Todd and Dick Grayson kind of ghostly uh, looming over the uh, Robin trophy case with Tim looking on um, is just a really cool cover. This is almost my favorite cover uh, for this uh, series, but the uh, next issue is obviously my uh, favorite cover done very well. We'll talk about that when we get there. Uh, Identity Crisis Part 2, Without Fear of Consequences is uh, the title for this one. And uh, we have the uh, Christmas uh, Santa here. Um, It's always kind of uh, weird to see a book that takes place in the wintertime and around Christmas when this book came out around August, a very hot August. Uh, I can remember uh, staying in the comic book store uh, a little bit longer just because it was so warm out there. And uh, um, it's always one of those reading a book that is kind of set in a holiday season. And when you read it out of the holiday context, sometimes it... It seems weird, like, oh, I'm reading about Christmas stuff, and it's uh, 100 degrees outside. Um, we have uh, the police officer here that uh, sent uh, Vicki Vale away off of her you know, hunch that she had that uh, Mr. Marsus, uh, who's, who she thought might be kind of behind it, but he had an alibi, and... Uh, you know, it, this guy was just a, an ordinary guy, just like the uh, Santa was. And Batman's like, well, the Santa was an ordinary guy. And uh, maybe Mr. Marsus uh, has a little bit more explaining to do um, about the person that he dropped off or the, why his car uh, was seen at the crime. And you know, maybe Vicky had, um, maybe her hunches weren't all that bad. Uh, we do, in fact, and see uh, Mr. Marsus here. Um, come take Vicky and put her in the car um, as uh, one of his guys is wearing uh, this mask here. And uh, assuming that Mr. Marsus is, uh, we're assuming that Mr. Marsus here is the uh, big baddie, which in fact he's not, uh, that Marsus is working for somebody else. Uh, I love the shot here of uh, Bray Fogel's uh, Batmobile. Uh, this is definitely one of my favorite Batmobiles from the 90s and the uh, early times of reading uh, the Batman comics. Um, as I was, uh, you know, just starting to get into just buying a lot of comics, that this Batmobile looks like a Batmobile. It's got uh, some kind of inverted fins here, and I like that it can run silent. That was something that uh, uh, Alan Grant did quite frequently in his run. If Batman was tracking somebody down, he could push the silent running. You get this whole whoosh, you know, sound. Um, Something that I also liked about this story Um, And even through Tim's story, uh, being clear back in year three and uh, being in trial, uh, well, trial by fire was one of the stories of the rite of passage and this one that Tim is uh, a detective. Uh, Tim is the one that is uh, helping solve the crimes. He solved uh, the money spider case by himself while Batman was halfway around the world. And while Batman is uh, tracking down this very... um, a person, 
that uh, may be entangled with Marsus here, uh, where these uh, killings are so random, it's Tim that's uh, putting it together and it's thinking through the list of the Batman's rogues galleries and uh, some here that uh, Bray Fogle has created himself, uh, Anarchy being one of them, which uh, is very close to the Tim Drake uh, picture here that is kind of the nod to this is going to be an adversary for Tim uh, later on. But uh, the the tropes that uh, you associate with uh, Bruce Wayne of, you know, just working through all hours of the night, not taking any time off, are obviously rubbing off onto Tim now that it's Christmas time and Tim has completely forgot about Christmas. And Alfred makes a little comment here like, congratulations, sir. I'm sure uh, this will be the first of many. It's something that I, uh, you would have to believe that Alfred doesn't want for, you know, anyone uh, that is kind of in his care, be it the, you know, the young boys or even Bruce for that matter, you know, take a minute from crime fighting and realize it's Christmas. But I also think this is defense mechanism for Tim that he's just lost his mother as probably just recently buried her probably within the last a couple days. And he has a father uh, that is going to need some uh, definite care and, you know, what a better way to try and celebrate uh, Christmas than, you know, being around the Christmas tree and, you know, your mother's not there for uh, the very first time and your father's still being, you know, uh, bedridden from being in the hospital and being paralyzed. So I think it's something that Tim purposely uh, put out of his mind. And uh, this is something that... uh, Tim is really trying to focus on solving this case and approving Bruce uh, that he is ready. And we see him, uh, you know, staring up into the Robin costume and just, you know, thinking about what it is he has to do and focusing on uh, the case at hand, much like uh, Bruce would. You know, as we're going through and getting to page 11 here, we see the first glimpses of our uh mastermind behind this whole thing. And I got to tell you, I did not uh, see this coming through my very first initial read. Um, I I really had no idea that uh, who the guy that's in charge here would in fact uh, be in charge. Um, it, even in going into the very top of page 12 here, where we uh, see a, a, a shadowy thin figure and hearing this woo ha 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 you know laugh that I think my mind might have gone to the Joker or something like that um, I didn't pick up that it was going to be the Scarecrow uh, we're not shown in this panel just yet uh, but as Vicky is trying to run away um, from Marsus's men up through the staircase she takes the wrong turn and actually uh, meets him face to face. Batman is tracked down the lead to where uh, Marsus's uh, warehouse is and uh, is on his way to try and uh, save Vicky. Uh, another shot that's uh, cool that's uh, directly from the front of the cover or maybe the front of the cover was inspired by is this uh, another daydream sequence that uh, he is getting from the two former Robins. And much uh, unlike his uh, nightmare that he was having before of Batman and uh, Nightwing telling him that life's not fair and that he's basically going to fail. Uh, this is the positive uh, reinforcement for Tim to not give up, to keep pushing forward. 
that, you know, Dick's, I guess you would say ghost or ghostly apparition here is telling Tim to, you know, continue to keep fighting forward. Uh, and Jason saying, you know, don't give up, don't quit. You can do it. Um, is, is handled very, very nicely here. And I like, uh, at the top of page uh, 15, uh, panels one and panel two, where you see like the, the ghostly apparitions kind of on either side of Tim, as you would kind of have, you know, that little bird on your shoulder telling you, you know, the right thing to do. If you have the bird on one side, you have a devil on the other. Well, in this case, Tim has two birds, be it a Robin. See what I did there? Okay, maybe not. Um, <laughs> so uh, this is the uh, the thing that is uh, inspiring Tim. Even in his even in his dreams, his mind is working to think to try and solve the case, and uh, he ends up putting it uh, together. He knows what's going on with uh, the case and figures out. You know, why are these people doing what they're doing? He's able to put this together from kind of the uh, spiritual pep talk he gets from the former Robins that these people are doing things without the fear of consequence. And if you do something without the fear of consequence, you don't have something. What is it? You don't have fear. So I like that Tim ends up uh, putting that together. And it's Tim that ends up calling Commissioner Gordon as Robin. And I was trying to think if there was another time where Tim has called uh, Commissioner Gordon and Gordon is led to believe this is Robin. And, uh, you know, we're not still told on the pages yet that it is, in fact, uh, the Scarecrow, but that uh, Tim does tell probably off-panel that uh, to Commissioner Gordon he knows who's responsible uh, for the killings, that it is, in fact, the Scarecrow. And uh, it convinces Commissioner Gordon that the bat signal needs to be uh, shown in the nighttime sky. So at least the Scarecrow knows that, hey, you know, Batman's on the case. And that's, in fact, uh, what ends up happening. And Tim has this this fear if he knows he, if he doesn't do something, uh, something is going to happen to Batman and tries to put it out of his mind. But even as he's trying to unwrap a presence with Alfred, he still can't let that go. Uh, knowing that if he does this, it's probably over said and done. He won't get the chance to be Robin, but he knows that this is something he has to do. He has to try and go help Batman because Batman has no idea the trap he's walking in. And we do see in the final panel that Batman is in fact walking into a trap and it's the scarecrow uh, that uh, Tim even denotes that when Batman has all the facts, he's at the top of his game and can't be beat. But if Batman gets blindsided without having all the information that uh, he won't be as prepared as he should be. And if he had a partner beside him, he could, he could be better prepared. Not that uh, Batman is ill-prepared for anything, because Batman can do anything he wants, but it's, it's to show us that Batman does need that extra voice. And as much as Batman has been saying, no, you're not ready, no, you need training, uh, Batman hasn't been relying on somebody else uh, to look out for his back. And uh, this is kind of showing us that, you know, you can't always run headlong into a fire. Uh, one fireman can't put out a fire. It it, it takes many firemen. And uh, I used a fireman analogy for Batman and Robin. But the old saying, you know, if you go, we all go. And uh, Batman is definitely walking into a fire and walking into a trap that 
uh, he, the scarecrow set perfectly and has done all this because, hey, it's Christmas time and I deserve to have a present. And what better present than to just send people without fear would be the total opposite of fear, uh, which is really kind of twisted. If somebody's really scared, they may not want to do anything. But if you give the give them the ability to not fear, they're a much more dangerous uh, person. And if it's worked with these uh, few random people, imagine how much fear uh, the Scarecrow can put through all of Gotham by giving people no fear. Uh, that's that's really scary. If uh, you're not afraid of any consequences uh, of any action that you can take, you'll you will do anything, and people will be will be more scared of that. That uh, this person doesn't care. They just burnt down a building last night. They may burn down twelve buildings. Uh, there's no you know fear of God or fear of repercussions. Uh, that's that's a unique twist on. Uh, the scarecrow usually he would use it as a crippling mechanism uh, to have somebody cowering in the corner. Then hey, I can just steal all your money and all your your furniture and all your possessions because you're too afraid to do anything. Uh, well, what better uh, way to get what I want than give you no fear, and then I can just use you as a pawn and you are totally disposable. So uh, I thought these two issues were were really good and it's showing. Uh, Tim is on the right steps to doing what he's doing. And uh, rather than just being Robin, just because he feels that he should, because Batman needs a Robin, Tim is now coming around to seeing the point that Batman was trying to make. Yes, you wanted to be Robin because you know that I need one. Now you need to be Robin because you feel the need to be Robin, not because you feel it's an obligation to me or feel that you should to avenge your parents. You want to be Robin to positively affect change and make Gotham City a safer place and not do it out of loss or guilt or grief like uh, Batman has done. Um, I'm real excited to get into the next issue, but we will save it for the next episode of Robin. Everyone loves the Drake. We are one issue, one episode away from Tim putting on his very own Robin costume. And I'll probably spend a little bit of time talking about, uh, the Robin costume and, uh, the initial designs for it and, uh, what, uh, they were leaning towards in creating Robin. And I'm going to try and round up a special guest. Um, haven't asked them yet. So I've got, uh, two weeks to be able to, uh, line up my special guest uh, where we can talk about uh, Tim uh, finally officially becoming a Robin and uh, actually turn this podcast into a full Robin podcast. And uh, I, like I said, I've got some really cool things coming up. So uh, thanks for listening uh, to this episode. And again, uh, episode 12 will be the episode where we finally get to talk some Robin Tim Drake. Uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. This has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, and I am making no money from it. Much to the displeasure of my wife. Sorry, babe. So no infringement is intended by this show. This also applies to all music and sound clips, as they have their own copyright holders as well. You can now find this podcast on iTunes and Windows Media as well. 
There you can rate and leave a comment to the show and subscribe. I hope that you do. You can also find me on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. You can send a message there as well. If you'd like to email, you can do so by sending me one at r10myers at yahoo.com. That's R as in Robin, 10myers at yahoo.com. And I'll read your emails on the air. Make sure that you head over to the batmanuniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thank you for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care.